Well, it's been quite a week, hasn't it? Did you watch the American inauguration on Wednesday? Whatever your politics are, there were some powerful words spoken. President Biden focused on unity in his speech. Unity is the path forward, he said, and without unity, there is no peace. Calling for a new way in America that focuses on what people have in common rather than on their differences. But the star of the whole event for me was Amanda Gorman, the young poet. I'm sure that you uh, heard her words, they were amazing. And she recited her poem, The Hill We Climb. And I'm sure that she has inspired a whole new generation of poets. Well, I hope so anyway. And she finished with the words, there is always light if we're only brave enough to see it, if we're only brave enough to be it. These are powerful words, words of hope and of challenge. In today's gospel reading, we hear the first words of Jesus's public ministry in Mark's gospel. The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. More powerful words of hope and challenge. Two sentences here set the theme for the whole of Mark's gospel and we'll hear them again and again in slightly different forms and in slightly different contexts all the way throughout the whole of the gospel. And there are several sermons that you could preach on just these two sentences, these few words. But I promise to try and just stick to one today. One sermon, that is. Not one word. <laughs> the time has come, Jesus says. For Mark, there's an urgency throughout the whole of his gospel. You'll have noticed that Simon and Andrew left their nets at once and that James and John were called without delay. The word immediately or at once occurs around seven times in just the first chapter of Mark. Partly, of course, this is a narrative tool. Mark's using it to keep the story moving along. But it's also communicating something about the activity of God, which is happening here and now, not only at some time in the future, also in this time and place. The time has come, Jesus says. The word for time here is kairos. I love this word. It speaks to so many different things. It's uh, a wonderful word that encompasses the idea that this is an opportune time, a decisive moment when God is about to act, a turning point or a threshold place, if you like. When we put things off, waiting for the right time, as so often we do, I certainly know that I do that, we often say that we're waiting for the perfect time. I'll make contact with that person that I've fallen out with, you know, when things aren't so busy. Or I'll take time to have a retreat later. Or I'll look after myself once I've sorted everybody else out. But Jesus says, now is the time. So what are you waiting for? At the moment, it feels as though we are all collectively waiting, doesn't it? Waiting to have the vaccine, waiting to be allowed to hug our family and our friends, waiting for the world to change. Verse 1 of Psalm 62 
that for some reason the lectionary misses out. We jump in at verse two, but verse one says, for God alone, my soul waits. And why do we wait alone? Because as we hear, God is our steadfast rock, our refuge, our fortress in whom we can hope. This psalm declares the people's trust in God in the midst of a crisis. We can do the same today. Now is the time, says Jesus, for the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So whilst we may not have much choice in some of the things that we're waiting for at the moment, those hugs, the opportunity to leave our houses as and when we'd like, we can't do those things right now. But we don't have to wait to respond to the call of God. We can all, wherever we are, repent and believe. Let's just think about that word repentance just for a moment. It can be a difficult word for some of us because it has at times been used wrongly by some with power to elicit fear in others or to use to control them or to create barriers between us and them and used as a stick for beating others for the wrong things that they have done. But repentance isn't about punishment. It's about relationship with God, of being of a new mind and a new heart. As one commentator put it, it's about wrapping your mind around this new reality a new reality where Jesus is breaking into the world. That's my kind of repentance. Repentance is about asking the question, what is going to be your perspective? Are you going to point to the presence and the peace of God among us? And it's worth noting, I think, that these words, repent and believe, are in the plural. We, together, need to repent and believe. I can't do it alone and neither can you. We respond to the call of God in community. Did you notice that those disciples were called in pairs, Simon and Andrew and James and John? And what is the task to which they are called? To go out and find others, to form community. At the end of this week of prayer for Christian unity, I think this is a helpful reminder to us that we aren't called alone and we can't fulfil our calling on our own. We need one another. And we may not all think and speak the same, despite what Charles Wesley Hinn says, but we do worship the same God. And in finding those places of commonality, we then can find joy in our diversity in the different gifts and traditions and experiences that each one of us brings to the table. And we can together abide with Christ. Of course, alongside this corporate response to Jesus's call to repent and believe, there is also a need for a personal response. Each of us has a choice to make. Each of us has an opportunity to step into the new reality of what Jesus is doing in the world. Jesus calls to you and to me, 
come, follow me. And there is an amazing joy in responding to the call of Jesus. Joy in living more fully as the people of God that we are made to be. And I don't believe that follow me experiences only come along once in our lives. I believe that Jesus calls us throughout the whole of our lives. As one preacher said, follow me is the ever-present, ongoing call of Jesus to every one of us. Often in following Jesus, we are also called to let go and to leave behind. Simon and Andrew leave their nets and James and John leave their father in the boat. This letting go isn't always forever. After all, a bit later on, we find uh, Simon with his mother-in-law. But we can never hold on to anything new unless we're willing to drop what's already in our hands. We can never hold on to anything new unless we're willing to drop what is already in our hands. So the questions for us today are, what is Jesus's calling for you? And what do you need to let go of in order to respond? At the end of the service, as we always do, we'll have an invitation uh, to request prayer from our healing prayer team. You can email in. And I invite you today to consider whether the prayer that you need to request is to help to discern that call of Jesus in your life for this moment and in this time. And this question of the call of God is also a call for us collectively as a church. What is Jesus calling us to today? What do we need to let go of? As we've already explored, we are called collectively as well as individually. We cannot, or rather we should not, ignore the call of Jesus for us as a church. Do we have the courage to be the church that Jesus is calling us to be? Will we let go of what's in our hands? in order to turn our minds and our hearts to the people and the places where the reality of God is breaking into the world. Well, if and when we do, we can do so with confidence. For as the psalmist says, we know that power belongs to God and that with the Lord is unfailing love. So what are you waiting for? Hear the powerful words of Jesus for you and for us today. Come, follow me. Now is the time. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Are you brave enough to see the light? Are you brave enough to be it? Amen.